Side with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from my bedroom in the suburbs of New York City and from his apartment in Brooklyn, New York, J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Bit of an upgrade for you moving to the bedroom, pal. Out of the basement into the bedroom. Yeah, there we go. That's right. What a show. Uh, what a great show we have coming up for you. Obviously, we'll go over all of the games from uh, or the games of note from this past weekend. Uh, a few interesting American stories developing from Europe, which are which are great well, for American I'll, soccer fans. I'll put it to you this way. Sally Field is very happy. Oh, my goodness. They really love us, don't they? Uh, and another just beautiful mailbag. You all have answered the call in a in a Really, really tremendous way since our mailbag special. Not that the mail isn't always good, but I really feel good about this mailbag once again. It's um, rich and diverse. Yeah, yeah, it really is. People now seem to almost view us as like their like fan Svengalis. Also, we're kind of like agony ants, aren't we? You know the idea of an agony ant? No, I don't know what that means. So um, the British newspapers, the tabloids in particular, used to have a, a page where you would write in with your problems and they would print them in the newspaper with a response. So you had everything ranging from a, a job issue, a, a problem with your wife to like even in, in, in the case of some of the more lurid tabloids, you know, some not to put too fine a point on it, bedroom issues. And uh, we are like your soccer agony ants. That's right. That's exactly what we are. Um, what a week. I wonder if other people are now experiencing this as we we're out of the summer. Today is officially the first day of fall. It began at 931 Eastern time this morning. Here. Although it's been feeling like this for 10 days, I would think. It has. It has. But now I feel like we're really back into, like my wife's a teacher and schools have started up again. Um, and I wonder if other people, remember how I went on that like I have children, my life is spiraling out of control rant a few months ago as we were trying to learn how to deal with that in a pandemic. Um, I feel like it's, it's re-emerging a little bit because now in two in households with two working parents like mine, um, like kids are going back to preschool and things like that. But we are now in this new world, JJ, where stuffy nose equals child can't go to school. Uh, yeah. And like, it's, it's wreaking havoc. So right now I'm home. It's the middle of the week. Both like my kid is, is one. He's going to have a stuffy nose for the next six months. Can't go, can't go to the babysitters. Jack can't go to preschool stuffy note. Like this is, this is utter madness. So they're home trying to once again, do full-time jobs plus watch kids. It's, it's utter chaos. Do you see also the bridge of my nose? I was going to say, just for some clarity, Andrew is wearing a Syracuse baseball hat with quite a lengthy beard. It's not unkempt and a hoodie. You look, look, I don't know, you you look like a kind of a sports fan, but from like the Midwest. Okay. But over the the bridge of my nose, I have like a, a, what's no longer a gash, but what what was a gash uh, a few days ago. And it's because my one-year-old beats me. (laughs) <laughs> he smashed a one-year-old child smashed a child's gate over my face as I was trying to prevent him from going through it. I didn't, it hurt like hell and I didn't realize anything was truly wrong though right away. And then I, I felt something and I oh, put yeah. my hand on my face and I was covered in blood. It, 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 I've already called child and family services. They're, they're not accustomed to getting calls of parents asking for protection from their infants. Your, your infant has been arrested and is awaiting bail. Um, the you've got a you've got a cut on your nose and it's 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 got quite yellow. It looks I say Midwestern uh, 
Midwestern football fan, Midwestern hockey fan after the local junior hockey team won their first prize in 65 years. That's what I'm going. And you got into a fight. That's the exact look. Um, so yeah, that's my life. I hope your life is, is going well. My life is good. Uh, my Gaelic football team are New York champions. Oh my God. Yeah. Imagine the Gaelic Athletic Association of New York found a way to run off a championship for this year. And uh, we played six games in the space of about, I would say, six or eight weeks, which is pretty intensive considering we hadn't played in a year with COVID. And, um, and we are champions. We'd never been to the final before. And we won on Saturday night at uh, Manhattan College's stadium. So huge victory for the borough of Brooklyn. Wow, that is, I'm proud of you. Truly proud. That's great. Congratulations. You're not, you're not really proud. You're, you're, <laughs> I am. Thank you. I know how much it means to you. You talk about it all the time. That's, I think it's great, man. I hope you guys celebrated. I noticed you have a hoarse voice today. I'm guessing that's partially why. Yeah, it's it's amazing uh, how you feel the need to, uh, in lieu of uh, receiving medals for competition, how the best thing you can do is uh, to put on a jukebox or on some music when you're having a few drinks with your pals and sing Big Rings by Drake, because that's what we're going to get for the championship, Big Rings. And when you sing that, trying to sing at the pitch of everybody else, your voice is done. It's over. So I apologize for my raspiness, although I'm sure, Andrew, you find it quite sensual. Actually, I find it quite unprofessional that you would do something like that, knowing that you use your voice for your job. But that's neither here nor there. We'll that's discuss after after the show off the air. Uh, all right. Here it is, JJ. So last week, we kind of talked about this, but we, we didn't talk much about it. I don't think we, we ha- had the full grasp and scope of it yet. But I felt that there was no other way that we could start the show today than to give maybe uh, more in-depth thoughts on Peacock. <laughs> and I'm not kidding right now. The, the, the reaction from the American soccer community has never been this unified in anger that I can really remember. I mean, I'll say it jokingly, but like other than like Giassi Zardes' first touch, I don't know if there's anything that causes <laughs> this sort of reaction from American soccer fans. And so I felt like just seeing it on Twitter, feeling it myself, I really felt like it was the thing that we had to talk about first today. Andrew, this is listener-driven as much as anything. Now, we're both annoyed by what's happened with Peacock, and we're quite happy to give that bird a round and sound beating right now. By the way, I'm not advocating (laughs) violence against animals. This is insanely bad uh, in terms of what we do, talking about the Premier League. They've made it as hard as possible for you to watch games. And And even more than that, you're paying double for it. So here's the thing. And I'll, let me just start by saying this. Um, I, I want to give two important qualifiers to this entire conversation that I, I do feel like need to be said straight out of the gate. The first one being, yes, this is a first world problem. Fully acknowledge that. I understand all of the ugliness that's going on in the world right now. This is first world stuff. I mm. get it. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, just, just know that when I, when I go on a rant here or when I vent or when JJ vents or rants about this, understand that we know where this falls in the scope of problems in the world. Cause I can already see people rolling their eyes at it. And the second qualifier that I want to put out there is if you are somebody who is directing your frustration on this at Rebecca Lowe or Arlo White or Robbie Musto or the men in blazers or whoever, I want to tell you, you are directing it at the wrong people. All right. These people may be promoting it and they may be putting on a happy face, but they're doing their job. 
They have no choice in the matter. You think they're happy about it, that all the hard work that they put in week in, week out is now being consumed by fewer people? No, Arlo White wants everyone to watch his games. All right, Rebecca Lowe wants everybody to be watching the pre and post game on NBCSN. Like, they're not, they're going to do the right things because they're professionals, but just know they're not, they're probably not happy about it either. And they're seeing your tweets and they understand how you feel. Also, just don't everybody be, just know that. Don't be abusive to the NBC soccer account. Don't do it because there is an actual human being running that account who did nothing to make this decision come about. No, of course not. So with all that being out there, here's here are the things that I would say about this, and then you feel free to weigh in and jump in as I'm going here. Um, here's my thing. If it was just greed, then I would still hate it, but I guess I would kind of like begrudgingly understand it. Like to me, just greed would look like if they were airing one game per time slot and then putting all of their other games behind a paywall, like the games that they usually, you could just go on the NBC website and watch. Like now, if if every game online was behind a paywall, to me, that's greed, but I, I'd kind of get it. Um, or, so you either have that, or if you remove some of the time slots from over-the-air television, but you kept at least the marquee game of the day on regular television. Okay, that's greed. You've taken away all these time slots where you could be showing it on television, but you're at least giving me Liverpool-Chelsea on over-the-air TV. Um, But instead, JJ, NBC and Peacock went ahead and did both. They removed virtually every time slot from over-the-air TV, and they took away your game of the day. Liverpool-Chelsea, nope, gone. But don't worry, we'll throw you a bone and give you Lester Burnley. To me, what they've done, like it goes, it goes beyond greed to me. It almost felt, not to be dramatic here, but it almost felt mean to do both of those things all at once. But like, fine, okay, whatever. I'm a diehard fan. You've got me. You've left me no choice. I'm going to continue consuming the product. I have no choice. I love it. So what am I going to do? You've held me hostage and, and you've won. Um, so I buy the thing. And now, JJ, as you know, because you and I were texting all weekend, I buy it. And now the real fun begins, my friend. Oh, boy. So now this is just for me personally. Everybody has their own experiences with how, if they've bought it, how it's gone so far. Because it sounds like other people have had even more problems than what I've had. So you'll be able to relate. Peacock, not available on Samsung TVs, not available on any Apple TV unit pre the fourth generation of Apple TV. So if your Apple TV is more than five years old, forget it, you're out of luck. And then the kicker, JJ, so, okay, Apple TV, I can't do it. It's not on my Samsung smart TV that I paid all this money for with all these apps. Nope, not available there. But at least I can do my screen mirroring. I'll pull it up on my phone, throw it on uh, from the phone, shoot it to the TV or whatever, my old Apple TV. Nope, we are blocking screen mirroring as well. At that point, I lost it. And I tweeted at the Peacock uh, TV account. And they said, no, we we do not support the screen mirroring uh, function. We're not available on Samsung TVs, but we hope to be at some point. And Apple, we're only available on fourth generation or higher. So So you've gone out and you've spent the money. And roadblocks and obstacles are still being put down in front of soccer fans from being able to consume this product. After you've given them your money already, you've decided to take the jump, cross the threshold, give them the money that you don't want to give them, but you have no choice. And they're still making it a miserable viewing experience. I I, I want to go back and just uh, before I pile in on top of the peacock, I'm going to go back and, and just say something about, you know, you said it's a first, a first world problem. Um, and, and I agree, it is, it is a first world problem, but we can't pretend that the United States of America is a first world soccer country. We are not. We simply aren't. Taking 
soccer off the TV, off the cable package where you can just switch it on, where kids can watch it, where girls and boys can be influenced by it is a massive, massive blow to growing the game in this country. And there are families out there who, plenty of families, in fact, I would say pretty close to half of American households, they can't drop $50 just like that or $60 or whatever it comes in at for the, for the season. They can't do that. You are hurting them. You're hurting the game. Um, secondly, on your point, I have a Roku. I don't know. Up until the weekend, I can't download the Peacock app on my Roku yet. So Maybe it that- is now. Oh, no, great. It Brilliant. is now. Like, why would they not have made sure of that from the get-go? Why would this not be a concern? Like, do they know how many households in America have Roku? That's how a lot of people, um, they they stream things. I, I, I don't understand any of this beyond the greed. You're already paying for NBC. On most cable package, packages, you're paying extra or it's built in. And then you're paying again for all these games. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to swallow it with gold. We have to say, you know what? They'll put a few games that we, maybe niche games or maybe some games on the gold package and you have to pay extra for that too. Fine. At least gold was set up for soccer. You had your panel, you had your replays, you had your stats, you had your everything. It was easy to get on your phone if you were traveling. It was easy to throw up on a t- on a big screen. This is not. It's just a, str- a streaming interface. I can't even rewind. I, can't, I don't know if it can even pause the thing. Also, yeah. bars are struggling right now. Bars are struggling hugely. I walk into to my local to watch Chelsea and Liverpool and the owner tells me, knock my Wi-Fi off just in case we're going to interfere with his feed to watch the game. What is this? What is this nonsense? But I'm sorry. The other side to it is people will, will they'll say to you, JJ, you know how these things work. You know how it works. Capitalist culture takes what we love appropriates it and then sells it back to us why why are you shocked by this jj i know why am i shocked yeah i mean it, look i get that point and it's unfortunate too because nbc since they had taken the rights of the premier league they've done a really good job with it and they've built up so much goodwill yeah in their years of, of how they've managed this product and how they've kind of you know they they haven't they haven't played the American soccer fan for a fool. I mean, they've gone out and they've gotten the right people and they ta- they don't there's no talking down to American soccer fans. It's treated like a, like an NFL broadcast or a baseball or whatever. It's it's they've done a great job with it. And I just feel like a lot of that goodwill is just gone in in uh, almost seemingly overnight. It how is. This is gone for a lot of people. And like I'm sorry, I I understand why you want I don't know why I keep saying I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I know why you want to drag people towards your streaming service. There's a, uh, I wouldn't say a war right now. That's too dramatic. But there's a battle going on for the hearts and minds of the streaming communities with these TV companies. And CBS All Access stole, stole a huge march on uh, on a lot of the other um, cable companies, um, or sorry, TV networks. And... NBC are trying to get people towards their thing. And what's a good way of getting people, driving people towards your streaming service? Live sports. But I hate the fact that soccer is the one that has to pick up the slack for it. But now at this point, I have nothing else to say. I think we should talk about the football. No, you're right. The the only thing I I had put down here that I wanted to mention is that, um, you know, a lot of what we just said looks like it's going to be neutered 
by what's coming up this coming weekend where more games are being put on over the air, NBCSN and NBC. Um, so like last week may have been their test run or it may have been their week that they were going to like, we're going to assign this week to make sure we get everybody to subscribe and then we'll loosen the reins a little bit. Yeah. However, on Monday, uh, Liverpool Arsenal is still on Peacock. So you will, unless you're a subscriber, you will not have access to that game. Yeah. It's frustrating. The point you bring up about whether or not it's NBC's responsibility to grow the game in this country is a fascinating one because you're right, it's not. It is definitively not their job to grow the sport. It is their job to present the sport uh, in the best way possible while making as much money as they can. Like that is their job. However, I will say that I would imagine the Premier League is not thrilled by this. Um, and I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that manifests itself, but I would imagine that they're that they're probably not thrilled that in one of their two or three largest emerging markets in the world, the game has been essentially put behind a paywall. They, I, I, I can't. I, I'm sure they have bigger concerns right now. Um, the, the Chinese TV money pulling out completely. Um, that whole debacle, that loss of almost half a billion. I'm sure that's at the front of their mind, but they can't be impressed with this. This isn't. This is not what you want going forward for them. Certainly not. No. And I hope we don't sound too hypocritical because obviously this is an ESPN podcast and ESPN Plus is also a product that puts soccer behind a paywall. But I guess the only difference for me is that like those were new properties that you put there that like, you know, you knew what you were kind of signing up for. Um, whereas yeah, I don't and, know if and I, also, I also think you get more bang for your buck with that in terms of sports. Um for for this low low price of five ninety nine a month, but we will be fair though. Like today, this is how we feel. If it does start to appear on more platforms, like we said, it's going to be on Roku. If it goes up on Samsungs, if they you know if they unblock screen mirroring or whatever, like we will we will be fair about it. But today, I, I can just tell you, last weekend, I was ready to put my fist through each wall in my house. Like okay, this wall, bang. That wall, bang! I was so angry. I got so, so many, I got so many rage texts from you. It, it was scary <laughs> for me. It was really quite scary. All right, let's do the football. Right. Come on. So here we go. Here are all the games that you didn't see. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I guess we'll start off as, as kind of like um, a segue into this by talking about a couple of the big transfers that we never had a chance to discuss. Uh, on last week's podcast because they hadn't become official yet. Well, the first one being, uh, we'll mention Tiago Alcantara going to Liverpool, Diego, uh, Diego Jota as well. Um, yeah. and we'll F- kind of- FSG changing their tune very quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, t- for- typical well, Liverpool though. So, I mean, look, Tiago, he came on as a second half sub and he was fantastic. Now he did commit the penalty, which it's funny, like in, in all of the write-ups of the game, you can tell there's a certain narrative that everyone wants to push. And that is amazing signing uh, on, a, on a great price. And he played brilliantly. Oh, by the way, the penalty was his, but like, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and look, I get it. it does, he still had a great game and that was just one moment within it. Right. Um, I think I saw he by himself in the second half out past Chelsea, any Chelsea player for the entire game. Yeah. No, the entire Chelsea midfield for the, for the entire game. Um, But, the stat that really jumped out at me was passes into the final third. Um, four four two tweeted this out uh, for the no. This is for the twenty 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 one season, the fledgling season. Um, and there is Thiago Alcantara on in second place with uh, with eighteen passes in forty five minutes into the final third, behind Granite Jacka, who's played you know 
look how many more minutes uh, Granite Xhaka has played compared to Thiago. Uh, ahead of uh, Pierre Hoiberg, who's played how, what both games now. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's pretty impressive stuff to start off with. And look, he's a very good signing. He kind of gives Liverpool not to disparage the Liverpool midfield that's been so successful for three years, but a prescient, uh, inventive passing midfielder. That that's huge for Liverpool. They haven't really had that. It's been crash bang wallop, win the ball back turnovers things like that and and i think he just brings so much more to to this side it's really good a really good signing yeah it really was um the jata signing is interesting i think what was it 43 million yeah uh, is what it could become and i don't i mean as it stands right now i don't know that i see a clear place in the in the team for him that's a lot of money to play to pay for a, a player like that yeah no it is and i i, I think I, I, you have to imagine that he's been told, look, you're coming here. There's an established order of, of this attack. But what's happening is we are going to be in X amount of competitions. We're also going to play against different oppositions and there may be formational tweaks and you're going to be involved a lot, but you may not start. I, I and, and I think as well, he can possibly come in and play in that advanced creative role centrally. And say, for for example, you wanted to get, give Bobby Firmino a rest. I honestly believe, Andrew, that they probably looked at that front three and think, are they going to go another season with no major catastrophic injuries? Mm-hmm. They have to have said that and I looked at it and said, we need to strengthen there. And he's a, he's a fantastic signing too. Uh, just two really good... Um, Jurgen Klopp, FSG, Michael Edwards signings right there. That's that's how I feel about these so far, and uh, very pleased. But let's talk about the game. Yeah, um, another bad day for Keppa. Yes, when I when I look back at it, I'm like, if I'm in the form that Keppa's in, and I know the way he received the ball maybe wasn't conducive to just absolutely lashing it anywhere, but that that would be my mindset. And he's far too casual. It's it's brilliant from Sadio Mane to, to nip in, but you know why is Lampard starting him? Like why? I don't see any. I don't see any good reason to do it. Like I don't, unless he thinks that there, you know, there's a way we can rehabilitate this guy. But if you look at it, not even like that's not the the regular kind of mistake he's making. The mistake he's making regularly is not saving shots as a goalkeeper. That's not good. So why not just take him out of the side? They'll surely, surely looking at buying another goalkeeper. Well, yeah. In fact, it's pretty close to uh, to getting pushed over the line um, with Edward Mendy. Um, so, in fact, I'll have to double check. But that, I don't know. Maybe that has gone official. Uh, um, the goalkeeper from Wren, right? Who they're expected to bring in. I think twenty-two million is what I saw. So, like, I think. It's just unbelievable because what is Kepa? First of all, his price tag was was the the most ever for a goalkeeper, and I think he's there on a seven year contract. So he's not going anywhere unless you want to loan him out repeatedly. Um, but it, it's it's kind of this dark cloud that's going to be hanging over that position for years now. But again, you're Chelsea; you can, you know, they are one of these clubs that can yeah. afford to kind of outbuy their mistakes. Uh, And with Mendy coming in, if that is official, then that's kind of them doing it. Uh, I'm glad you at least mentioned Sadio Mane because a lot of keepers would make that mistake, um, but like wouldn't necessarily pay for it. 
Like you'd be watching it in the moment and say, oh, that was bad, but he's he'll get lucky that nothing happened. But like Sadio Mane, for a ball to be kind of whipped at him the way that it was from point blank range, and he still like his touch still cushions it perfectly and puts it right in his in in the right space for him to slot home for an easy goal. Like it's not as easy, I think. Now it doesn't change, I agree with it you. doesn't change the nature of the mistake from Keppa, but the goal itself was not as easy as a player like Mane makes it look. He's tremendous. He's just tremendous. I, but I th- I think at some point last season we were talking about how tremendous he was as well. I think this is almost repeating a conversation we've had. You know, I I I think we may, may have had has Sadio Mane emerged as the as the as the key part of that front three. We may have done that conversation I last know, it's year. Just, the reason I keep doing it though is because like you look at we have this conversation from time, from time to time, and it's what makes Liverpool so great. The conversation of who's their best player. Like three years ago, it was Salah. Two years ago, it was Van Dyke. Uh, last year, I mean, I would have said it was Trent, but Jordan Henderson went ahead and won player of the year. Like Mane's the only one who hasn't really gotten those accolades. So I guess there's some part of me subconsciously that feels like I have to do it for Right, him. right. <laughs> you know, like, cause he's not, he doesn't get it the way uh, some of these other Liverpool players have gotten it. That's called uh, Sun Hyung Min uh, syndrome. <laughs> we've had, we've done this before. Um, by the way, Chelsea. Not good again. Second week running. So who uh, knows? Uh, we have to talk about the red card. Yeah, I mean, what are you doing? Like, surely with so much of the game left, and he just—I mean, don't don't touch him. You're not going to. You're you're almost better to just stop tracking him and try and get round the back of Kepa for whatever ball that man is. Andrew, he gets up on his back. Like it, it's it's absolute nonsense. I cannot understand the thought process so what it's there's loads of game left you are hurting your team massively but i i will say this andrew and and this is not this is not me being a liverpool fan this is me just watching the game and thinking liverpool are comfortable liverpool are really comfortable in this game and i expected even at this point even with players to come in i know the side's not finalized yet I expected much, much more from Chelsea. A lot more. A lot of it was sitting deep, not in possession of the ball for large periods, looking to play on the break. There were moments where I'm like watching Timo Werner and I'm like, wow. There was times when Timo Werner got the ball in space on the left-hand side and I'm like, he looks great. But invariably, it's not like there was some great passing move. Invariably, he ran into a defender or he was isolated. There was no one with him. I, I... I just expected more from Chelsea. And now, because you lose a big game early on and, and playing Liverpool is a big game and and you're expected to be in the conversation for the championship this year, now they're on the back foot. And crucially, Frank Lampard's on the back foot, I think. That's quite a statement. Yeah, I, I think already. I think they have to get good really quickly now. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. It felt like the only real moments of threat were the the Werner moments that you're referring to, but nothing came from them really. Um, so I can't I can't disagree with you. Um, and also, how how is he going to formulate again? How, what's his plan to to kind of make this attack cohesive? What's his plan to really get Havertz into the game more? Because not for one second am I in saying am I saying that look. I don't think they've spent well. I don't think they've got good players. They absolutely do. But, you know, with these kind of players, with that kind of spend, Lampard's got to get it get it going quickly or else, you know what happens in this league, Andrew? 
After a little while, Man City, Liverpool start ticking away. Maybe United go on a run or something, and 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 you're you can get cut adrift, or you can end up in a kind of a a stasis, like fourth, fifth, you know, just when you're expected to be challenging. Yeah, we did say before the season that we we still felt like there was a gap between Liverpool, City, and then whatever's to come next. And we both, I, I had view, I had dubbed Chelsea to be that next team. Um, and again, it is still so early. And again, like again, I agree with everything you're saying, but it was nil-nil pre-red card. Uh, so I know. Who's, watching the game, Andrew, who did you feel Liverpool was- were clearly the better team. Yeah. There's no question about that. And bringing Thiago in off the bench, up a man, it almost felt like a cruel blow uh, to a Chelsea side that already had so much work that they were going to have to do in the second half to keep that game the way that it was. Yeah, but you can't... like. Again, I'm 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 looking for, I guess I'm looking for in the same way I'm looking at United with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm just looking for for signs that this is moving in a direction. Do you know what I mean? Like that there's a plan that they're going to play a certain way. And apart from sitting deep and trying to catch Liverpool in the in the wide areas in the spaces and the channels, I didn't see much else. No, totally fair. Uh, let's see. I mentioned big transfers. We knew that there was a possibility of this when we last recorded, but now it is official. JJ Gareth Bale is back in North London. It's unbelievable. It has filled me with so many emotions. Yeah, I need to feeling. hear about these emotions because Well, first I also need to say that Sergio Regulon has also come with him, which like in the grand scheme of things, no one will say it now, but in the grand scheme of things, it might actually be the more important of the two moves. Yes. Uh, and I feel like I, I need to get that out there before I just go straight to the lowest common denominator here, which is to just gush on bail. <laughs> um, you do know you're not getting the bail that left. Absolutely. Uh, like, that's I, important. I do know that. Um, that is important. However, it's kind of one of those situations where, like, why even be a fan if you can't get excited oh, in moments totally like agree. this? You know, like, yeah. it's so cool. Like, this player who's, he's a beloved member of Tottenham's recent history, like his performances against Inter Milan and just getting them into the the Champions League for the first time. Um, Really, really cool. And cool also because, you know, for years now, Bale has been talked about as this player who, okay, he's going to leave Real Madrid, but he can only go to a select few clubs. And someone someone invariably will mention Tottenham and they will be laughed at. Oh, Tottenham, they're not, they can't push that over the line. They can't pay those wages. Well, like, we sit here, not us so much. We, the general media sits here and like is never shy on giving Daniel Levy a lashing for his ability or inability to get big moves over the line. This is a big move that he, he, you know, it's not a full transfer. I don't know exactly how the wages are being split up, but he got Gareth Bale back to Tottenham and people were laughing at the notion of that six months ago. It's um, it, it's a tremendous amount of money, even if it's, say, split 50-50. It's yeah. a ginormous amount of money. Yeah, and, and the, the thing with Bale, like you said, the first thing that you said was you realize you're not getting the Bale that left. I do realize that. Um, what's important to remember here is Tottenham, this is a loser mentality for me to say it, but I'm going to be realistic. Tottenham is not, they're not trying to win the league this season. Okay. They're trying to get back into the top four and they're trying to win a trophy of some kind. So if Tottenham were trying to win the league, then I would say Gareth Bale damn well better be the Bale that he was when he was 26 years old at Spurs. Like if we're not getting him, then we got no shot. That's not, that's just not what's happening here. We have to be realistic about it. Um, So like is Bale, Kane and Son, 
enough to propel Tottenham back into being a serious contender for top four conversation with Regulon now coming in at left back, a position that was probably a position of weakness for them prior to his arrival. Yeah, to me it is. Now, the great variable here will always be what it is with Gareth Bale, and that is his fitness and his health, his injury situation. Already, he's dealing with a knock that is going to prevent him from preventing him from playing last weekend and will probably prevent him from playing again this week. Um, so like, it's, it's always going to be the million-dollar question with him. Is he healthy enough to even be out on the field? Uh, I'm going to have to – like I don't know. I haven't seen his, his X-rays, his scans or whatever. So I'm going to say like I don't think Tottenham do it if they don't believe that they're going to at least get this guy for more than half of the season – uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I think that front three will be really, really fun to watch, uh, bombing forward. You know how Jose Mourinho loves to counterattack. Bale will run into, we make fun of these long balls, but if there's a player suited to run into them, it's mm. him. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I really am. I, I totally get that. Um, and I wonder what happens now with Deli Alley, cause we're hearing lots of rumors swirling that he may be on his way. Yeah. We don't, I mean. You could see it happen. You really could. Uh, and I wonder what that does to the dynamic of the team. And I wonder, is it the right thing to do to to move on a, a player coming into his prime who's a lot of upside and has been with the club through some good years and bring in this kind of relic of the past who hopefully can can perform, but will only perform limitedly, whatever way you look at it. And... Um, you hope you play Southampton every weekend. That's all I can say. Yeah, real quick before we move off of Bale, I just wanted to ask you this question that we've we've got of, more Bale coming. So okay, well this is this is I know this is unrelated to that. Uh, this is the Real Madrid side of it. What on earth is his legacy at that club? I I, I think in it's going to take a little bit of time, but you look at you look at his performance in the finals. He's He's going to be forever linked with those. Obviously, they didn't win the league enough in, in his period there for him to be linked with any great domestic dominance. But he's going to be forever linked with those those Champions Leagues, Andrew. Those amazing run of where they were just the the unbeatable side in European football in the top competition. And we're gonna we're gonna remember him for those moments. We're gonna remember him. I think we can encapsulate a lot of it into that one moment, which actually came at one of his one of his most strife-ridden times at Real Madrid where he wasn't starting, and that bicycle kick against Liverpool. Yeah. Unfortunately for him, he arrived at that club on a world record transfer fee. And so the Real Madrid fan base thought they were getting Cristiano Ronaldo part two. And I don't know if Bale had the consistency as a player or the personality to be Cristiano Ronaldo part two. So I think it was he was always going to be fighting an uphill battle based on that. And the funny thing about him is... You know, oftentimes we'll complain about star players and we'll say, oh, yeah, he's great. He's great. He's great. But when the big moment arrives, where is he? He's nowhere to be found. Bale is kind of the total opposite of that. You know, for much of the season, his consistency would wane. You know, he'd be in and out of the starting 11. He'd get hurt. He'd have a hard time getting back his place back in the squad. Uh, but then the big moment would arrive, the Copa del Rey against Barcelona, one of the great Real Madrid goals of the last 30 years. Um, you know, his, like you mentioned, his Champions League final goals. When the big moment arose, he was certainly front and center. So he's he's just kind of an enigma in that way. 
Yeah, and and I do think because what what happens to everything in soccer now after a few years, it gets condensed into like a highlights package with some dance music played behind it on YouTube. They'll put together a nice YouTube highlight reel. They'll have a lovely highlight reel, and then all it'll take will be for some soccer influencer to tweet, uh, low key forget how good Gareth Bale was for for Real Madrid, lol, and it'll get seventeen thousand retweets, and all of a sudden the youth will remember it with a much sunnier glaze. That's right. YouTube commenters rewriting history. That's how it happens. Uh, you mentioned the game. I don't. Uh, we should talk about um, Kane and Son. I mean, it's like people want to say, "Oh, Tottenham, you know, barely any chances." Okay, maybe, but when all of your chances are one on ones with the keeper, like not all chances, not all goal scoring opportunities are created equal, and they just are generating one after another. Some of that is Kane and Son. Uh, and some of that is Southampton's refusal to change. What were they doing? I don't know, but I loved it. And the, and none of them could hold the high line. And then they'd realize, it's like halfway through doing what they were doing, they'd realize, oh, this is a bad idea. And they'd run back towards the goal. They'd play everyone on side. Uh, and the way they started with that beautiful Danny Ings goal, you couldn't see it descending into what it did. Um, well, you could but, a little bit because remember, yeah. Tottenham did score early and it was one of your molecular offsides calls against... And I was uh, so up, I was so upset because it was a lovely goal. Yeah. The ball from Son on the far side was one, an amazing header run won by Doherty and, and Kane volleyed it home uh, through the keeper's legs. But um, so Kane last week had this amazing scooped pass for Matt Doherty, which he hit straight at the keeper, and it was like this. It was like Spurs' big chance in the game, really, and it made me think. Kane is not obvious. He's not obviously at number 10, but when he wants to, he can play and link the play much better than people give him credit for. And the weekend's game at St. Mary's was a massive example of that. I've always, and look, I'm, I guess, somewhat biased because I watch him so much, but I've always said he's the most underrated passer in this league. Like you remember um, the Tottenham Liverpool game, what was it, two years ago? when there was a foul at midfield and Kane just takes it and smashes it 50 yards right on Deli Alley's foot. Right into the, the top right-hand corner. That's right, yeah. I that mean, was like for he, Ericsson's goal. Was it Ericsson? I couldn't remember if Ericsson or Yeah, Alex. he smashes it to him, yeah. Yeah, so he has that. And he you see it from pretty often, but because of what he brings as a goal scorer, it kind of gets overlooked. Um, but, I mean, four assists – uh, for all of Sun's goals, and then Kane gets one on his own. That was that was a fun, certainly a fun second half. Uh, before before we go on, can we can yeah. we do one one more thing? Uh, I, I thought this was kind of funny and interesting. So this is uh, Hyun Min San talking to I think Premier League TV after the game, and he was uh, interrupted with the interjection from his manager. You've been building up. Oh, I want to tell you, man, so much Harry Kane. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, and there was this, all you can hear is men of the Mitch, Harry Kane. And there was this awkward moment where Son's like, he scored four goals. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, yeah, Josie with the dad jokes. I'm here for them. Uh, let's see. We continue now, JJ. Manchester City and Wolves. Man City looked pretty sharp in what was their uh, their season opener. It's funny, the whole league had played two games before they had played one. Just, a, I guess, a scheduling quirk. Uh, the first half, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, Wolves, we think as as a pretty, you know, I, I guess they'll play, play on the counter. Maybe they're Very not good so. Team. Yeah, but like 
they were outpassed. And I know City do this to everyone, but like they were outpassed by uh, Manchester City Wolves were 366 to 166 in that first half. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's jarring. It is, it is jarring. But uh, I mean, if I told you that I think Chelsea's possession at Stamford Bridge versus Liverpool was 38%, what would you say to that? The entire yeah. game. Well, they were down a man for half the game. Yeah, I know, but it's not. Say, it's not I'd say I'm surprised it wasn't 30. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible, just a, a it, terrible attempt at making it a, a point there. That you know was, what? It's a bad point. Uh, <laughs> I made a mistake, guys. It was a terrible point. Andrew called me on it. And now I feel better that we've both had this learning experience. Now back to the Wolves City game. The second half, Andrew, uh, Wolves, I think Wolves were unlucky. They created a lot of chances. Now, look, at City's first outing. There's going to be a little bit of rust in that. But, uh, I mean, Wolves could conceivably have tied the game up in the second half, but uh, they didn't manage to do it. And uh, City hang on for for an opening day win for them. Yeah, um, good performances from the players that you would expect. Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, it'll be interesting now because Sergio Aguero is going to be out for a while. So like we always say, well, there, you know, no one's crying tears for Manchester City when players go down because they have the ability to reinforce them with guys who would start for every other team in the league. Well, okay. The, the spotlight, it shifts now to Gabriel Jesus. If he can fill those boots for Sergio Aguero, I think he can. Um, and it's not just going to be on him. I mean, no. like they have any number of guys who are capable of of pouring in goals. Um, but we'll see how they do without uh, without Aguero for a little yeah. while. Yeah, they've got goals from many areas. I think they'll be okay. I think so too. Um, a team that was not okay that also plays in Manchester this past weekend, Manchester United, 3-1 defeat to Crystal Palace. Watching this game was, first of all, I want to heap praise on Roy Hodgson before we go any further. Like, Palace were really good. Like, I know that when they scored early, like they dominated the first, what, I'd say 10 minutes. I think they got their goal on seven minutes. And United were, just were not in the game. And then they fell back a little bit. United grew into it. But honestly, Andrew, United for all the players, all the creative players they had on the field, Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, they didn't really cut Southampton open or um, Crystal Palace open at all. I mean, it was, you, you thought if, if if Crystal Palace keeps sitting in, there's going to be more chances. Now, Donny van de Beek did score, came off the bench and scored. It was, it was a good finish, a lucky rebound in the box that fell to him. But it just wasn't good from United. You just, again, I feel like I'm, I'm repeating myself with Lampard and Solskjaer, at some point, uh, let me read you this tweet because um, Andy Mitten, who is United We Stand, he's written for ESPN FC as well. I think he's great on United. And he goes, MUFC deserved nothing there. Palace were excellent and undefeated at Old Trafford in three seasons. Manchester United dire and lethargic after no preseason. Stop pee-balling about and get the manager the players he wants and clearly needs. It's Manchester United. Like, the... For me, I read these things and, and I'm aware Liverpool have just bought two players as well. But even if they didn't, like at what point does coaching come into this? Is it is it always going to be problem by issue by? Like it's it's ridiculous to me. There's got to be at some you're telling me that Victor Lindelof, who is an international player, and that back four cannot be made better. And not I'm not saying perfect. But short term, made better than the shambles they were at the weekend. And I mean, 
I, I, I just think what happens on the training pitch still has to count. I, I, I've never wished more that we were in the same room because I would hug you right now. I would high five you right now. I, I, I so, I so agree with what mm. you're saying. All of it. Just this idea that like without Jaden Sancho, we're going to keep losing games to teams of Crystal Palace's caliber. Right. 3-1. Like, give me a break. You've got Pogba, you've got Bruno Fernandez, you've got this front three that we were told at the end of last season is going to light the world on fire this year. Even if your back line is what it is, it, your struggles in attack shouldn't be what they were against Crystal Palace. Completely no offense agree. to Palace, but like this is Manchester United we're talking about. So I'm I'm with you. I'm so like with my, you. my view is if he can't get a note out of these players consistently, get he has no chance with Sancho. He has no chance with giving him more money to do things. And Set then things up. Like James Milner, always, and again, I know Klopp has spent. I get that. But when Klopp and Pochettino came into their clubs respectively, there was an uptick in the way they played. You could see a style. You could see the direction they were heading in. And eventually they did both spend. I understand that. But, you know, anyway, I'm no, you're right. And I'm going to echo a little bit of what you're saying here. Did you see what Patrice Evra said? No. This is kind of long. But I'm going to read. He made some scathing comments here about his former club. He said this on Instagram. He said, uh, the club needs to stop being so arrogant. There are certain people at the club right now that don't even respect Sir, uh, res- respect Sir Alex Ferguson. Before us, Bobby Charlton, George Best, they make the history of the club and we try to respect it. The trouble season of 99 and us in 08. But some people want to blow this legacy away. For what? Business? I think some people who work for this club are damaging this club. That's why we have to tell the truth to the fans. The only problem I would say to United Executive Vice Chairman Ed Woodward is trusting people he should never trust. He even trusts people outside the club that he shouldn't. When we want a player and they cost, say, $20 million, we end up trying to buy him for $100 million. Now those players don't even want our money anymore. A sporting director from a top club called me and asked me to tell Matt Judge, United's contract negotiator, just to answer his phone. I know some people are scared to speak up because they may not get a job in the future. I don't care. I don't need Manchester United. I love Manchester United. Well, I mean, the, I mean that's grist to the mill for the fans. They love hearing that stuff because they're convinced, and probably rightly so, that things are wrong at boardroom level, uh, director of football, the way they sign players, the way they do things, the fact that the owners uh, operate the way in the fashion that they do. That's been a, these are long running complaints, and and I do agree with it. But you know, you have a manager in there who, like. I will say it again. I want to see him do something. I want to see a coaching innovation on the field. I I refuse. The same way I, I hold the line with Mourinho, I refuse to believe that the players I see on a Saturday for both Spurs or Man United, that that's the best this man these respective managers can get out of them. That's my view. Coaching has to come into it. Uh, you mentioned Victor Lindelof. It was a bad day for him. Sure. Um yeah, and not even like handball aside, handball in the box aside, it's not good when you give away a penalty and that probably isn't your worst moment of the day. Um, you know, the third goal, the way Zaha is able to turn him so easily. Uh, I mean, Lindelof just finds himself on the complete wrong side of the man, and Zaha, you can't do that against a player like him the way he smashes home. Um, but he had a chance to win the tackle. And he, and he didn't. It was just kind of weak. And then he's faced Maguire. And Maguire doesn't go and engage, which I think unsights De Gea in goal. And the next thing, it's in the net. Yeah. that I, I did want to mention the handball, by the way. So there were certain changes to the handball rule uh, this offseason. 
uh, yeah. Um, once again, having seen this call against Lindelof and probably maybe even more so, it wound up not mattering. Had it, I would have lost my mind. The handball in the box against Matt Doherty, which uh, I mean, who was it? Evan Okoku on the broadcast of that match. When they showed the replay, said, no, not a handball. Let's continue. Come on. And when they called it one, he almost, I mean, he's a pretty yeah. low key guy. He almost lost his mind. Uh, this is, I'll throw my hands up again and just say, I don't know the rule. Uh, I'll never understand the rule. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, so whatever they say it is, I, I have no choice but to go along with it because I, I can't say if they're right or wrong because they don't they don't even know what the rules are when they're assigning these handballs in the box. So it's it's ridiculousness. Um, I guess just keep your hands behind your back at all times. That's yeah. That's um, the the Athletic have a nice piece on it. Uh, the handball rule, it's just a mess. Uh, so if you want to go and read that, because I really don't want to waste any more time on it. It's too it's too frustrating. Uh, let's see. Just a couple other quick ones on the Premier League. We, we, we have to mention Everton with the start of the season that they're off to, having beaten Spurs in the first match of the season and then coming back with a nice 5-2 in their second match of the season. Um, early on, our, our Jump to Conclusions podcast is next week, so I'm hesitant to say too many things here. Um, However, I would say that there are not many players who seem to have taken a larger jump from last season to this one than maybe the jump we're seeing Dominic Calvert-Lewin taking. Everton generally look so much more dynamic than they have in the past. And they're not perfect. You can tell that from the weekend, uh, from the goal, some of the goals they conceded, although the, the free kick was pretty special. I don't know how anyone stops that. But... Um, but Rodriguez is going to create chances, Andrew. He just, his deliveries, he's so central to their chance creation already. And it just goes to show you the difference. And I'm not slagging him off, but that like Gilfie Sigurdsson was never going to be that kind of player. Um, and, and look, Calvert-Lewin is just going to benefit by the fact of Rodriguez being on the field and creating so much for him. Um, there was a moment in the game I want to talk about, though, where um, Kieran Gibbs was sent off for pushing. What's he doing? pushing Rodriguez, uh, James Rodriguez in the face. And as he's going off, and this is the glory of no, having no crowd so, uh, noises. As he's going off, he says, uh, uh, Rodriguez is on the ground and he goes, yeah, I'd do it again as he's walking off after receiving the red card. And Seamus Coleman just goes after them. What are you talking about saying you do it again? Oh, big effing hard man, aren't you? And he keeps following them. You do it again. You do it again. Right, almost right down the tunnel. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. And it's the second time Coleman is like a captain that takes the captaincy to its the very limits of its leadership uh, responsibilities. Last year, um, Knockhart uh, smashed into Leighton Baines, got sent off, two-footed him. A very bad tackle on the sideline. And um, Coleman <laughs> followed him down as well, giving him loads of jib. Oh, unbelievable. Loved it. I saw that clip. It was it was very funny. And you can hear it. If, if, I know it's what are you collapsed. talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a bit, a bit, when he said big F and hard, man, I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't. If I'm Karen Gibbs, get, I think that's got to be his nickname now. Like, I'd get that on the back of my jersey. Big effing hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted no part of it. Wanted no part. Well, what's he going to do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got he's to leave, and he's got to, sometimes he's got to take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great start for Everton, though. Like you said, both signings, uh, Hamas Rodriguez and, and Allen as well, both yeah. look like great signings so far. We're going to be talking about them a lot more this season. That's yeah. just a fact. They're fun to watch if they're on TV right now or on other platforms. Uh, I would say stop what you're doing. They're, they're that club right now. Uh, and then a couple other ones. JJ Arsenal leave it late against West Ham. They do get all three points, a late goal to win it. 
uh, for the Gunners. Not easy for them. I give West Ham credit, but uh, Arsenal do find a way. Yeah, they do find a way. And again, is is that our word with them, resiliency, finding a way to win it? Because when they scored and then conceded, wasn't that the way it went? Um, I mean, we talked all about in our preview podcast, there was no one worse last year at playing with a lead than Arsenal. Yeah. And 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 for them to be able to recover from that is I you know, I know I know they're they've got some good players and everything, but like they've they've been incapable of doing things like that for long enough. So that's that's a really positive sign. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh leads also JJ showing that their offensive outburst versus Liverpool may not have been a fluke because they yes, went and all- did it again. Also showing they need to, uh, and I'm sure it's going to be hammered home by Bielsa, they need to be much, much better at the back. I mean, how many goals is that conceded in two games? Seven. Yeah. <laughs> With one of those games being, I mean, look, you can forgive it against Liverpool in your first game in the Premier League. Like, it, that can happen. The second game against Fulham, giving up three. And it was 4-1 yeah. at one point, too. Uh, right. And and I th- and I thought there was there was moments when Leeds absolutely played Fulham off the park, but you know if they if they want to do, you know if they want to stay well away from from the relegation zone and be comfortable in mid table, which is I, I'm pretty sure has got to be the ambition, they have got to plug those gaps and quickly. Now they are betting in a new defence. That is true. They have a new centre back um, from Freiburg Koch. So they have some things that need, they need to work on, but also the very nature of the way they play, which Bielsa probably won't change means they commit men forward. There's going to be gaps. Maybe they will be like this all season. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, fun weekend, fun weekend, more, uh, more of it to come next weekend. You've got, uh, well, it's not till Monday, Liverpool Arsenal, but, um, that will be fun. You know, we, we've seen Arsenal's new look defense so far, Decent returns, I would say, but now they're going to face their first true test. We'll see how guys like Gabrielle hold up against that front three for uh, for Liverpool. We will, of course, talk about that on next week's podcast. We are not done here just yet. Very quick break. When we come back, we have some Americana to get into. And then I think we'll make people feel nice and good inside. Don't go anywhere. Back now, caught offside. Uh, uh, JJ. This, these are the stories that we were hoping not to be seeing. I I'd said we were going to talk about uh, some stuff happening with American players. We'll get to that in one sec. But during our break, I was just scanning the internet and I saw this. Carabao Cup, Tottenham clash with Leighton Orient postponed due to positive COVID-19 tests. Oh, uh, boy. Apparently, uh, yeah, apparently a... Um, what is referred to here, James Ollie writing for ESPN FC, as Leighton Orient suffering a widespread coronavirus outbreak in their squad. Uh, the two sides are now locked in talks with the EFL over whether Spurs are given a buy into the next round or if the game can be replayed at a later date after a significant number of Orient players tested positive for COVID-19. Wow. Well, that's interesting because Craig Hope tweeted this uh, yesterday. Um, the EFL removed mandatory weekly tests on the eve of the season based primarily on August da- data regarding low COVID positives, but cases are going up, not down. Testing needed more than ever now, as we're seeing with Orient today. I fear this is just a start for football's postponements. Under And, and wait, you hear this. This seems bizarre. Craig tweeted, I understand Chelsea have now agreed to pay for Barnsley's COVID test this week. Well, Liverpool... I'll stop you right there. The whole reason that we know that Orient tested positive is because Tottenham paid for their tests. Correct. Liverpool, West Ham and Spurs also paid for EFL opposition to be tested. 
This is. Uh, I would say that that appears to be money well spent right about now. Absolutely, but I I think the EFL should have been paying for this anyway. I mean, yeah. I know the August data is was much kinder in terms of COVID than before, but to just cancel it at the start of a new season seems strange to me. Well, first, I mean, look, it needs to be said overall else. Uh, I hope that these players, whoever has tested positive on the Orient side, I hope they're okay and that they're, there's as much um, as most of this is, is asymptomatic is what my hope would be. Mm. Um, but this is, this was the scenario that we avoided during project restart. Um, you know, everybody was kind of cringing with each test that was revealed. Okay, will this be the one where we see some kind of inner squad outbreak? And we never really saw it, but uh, now we are seeing it with with Leighton Orient. So, something to uh, unfortunately to keep an eye on there. I'm just obviously glad that uh, that was discovered in time before the spreading continued. Mm-hmm. Let's see, uh, JJ, America, America, America. Here's a question for you. Um, better fist pumping music, Neil Diamond or Bruce Springsteen? Springsteen. Better fist. Yeah, okay. Uh, Springsteen has the larger sing along category of songs that everyone- I'm not talking about sing along. I'm talking about what you just did there. People can't see it, but JJ played oh. that. And while he was playing it, he clenched a fist in the air and he pumped, pumped. Oh, you think that Bruce Springsteen, uh, you know, uh, born in the USA, was come some kind of mad patriotic song? Oh, Everybody, you're the one laboring. Oh, okay. No, I'm saying that which one? Like, just you have the. It's like your body is overcome. I, Bruce, I don't want to make a fist right now. My fingers are doing this without me even wanting them to. Why is my hand going in the air and pumping back and forth? You can't help yourself, Bruce. Okay, easily, Bruce. We can. We are done with that. That's not fist pumping. That's just, ugh, again? Uh, Let's see. We are coming to America. We are on our boats and our planes, JJ. Um, So just like quickly looking at it, Gio Reyna scores for Dortmund. Weston McKinney starting for Juve. Tyler Adams, excellent for RB Leipzig. How are you not feeling good right now? Uh, It's impossible not to. It's impossible not to. Paul Kennedy, the uh, long-standing U.S. soccer journalist, tweeted this: "It didn't take Weston McKinney long to impress Gazzetta della Sport, which is the one of the Italian sporting newspapers of note. They used the term Andrew instant cult figure for the Juventus fans. His 7.5 rating was tied with two other UV players for the highest in the 3-0 win over Sampdoria. Instant cult." figure you talk about jump to conclusions week holy moly like i i can only imagine again i I, i'm going to i'm going to say a few things with my american soccer brain when a say not terribly clued in italian journalist or even just regular italian fan sees that there's an american joining I guess the fact McKinney was at Schalke mitigates against this. He had already put together quite the resume. But I wouldn't think that they'd be like tripping over themselves to say great things. I mean, it's... But the fact, instant cult figure, that is strong. 
Yeah. That is, is. That is. It really is. That could not be a better start. Cult figures usually I mean, take decades. We'll have to see if that bears out over the over the course of weeks yeah, or but, months. But look, being serious, look look how look how comfortable and clever uh, Reina's finish was. Look how look how composed and instant cult figurey Weston McKenna was. These are these are he- heady days, my friend. And yeah, you know what? And, and- even before this match for Tyler Adams, he was RB Leipzig's man of the match in their previous match in the the DFB Pokal first round. Um, like Reina, by the way, we should also say drew a penalty for yep. Borussia Dortmund, which was slotted home by he's uh, seventeen Erling, Erling Haaland. He's seventeen. He's a child. He's seventeen. Like I don't know. You, I don't. You don't want to make these like crazy proclamations, but there is there is a, a clearly a core of really young, profoundly young talent for the U S that I, I, I don't like, have we seen guys thriving in Europe in this way at these ages before? Like I, with this amount to them, like with Conrad De La Fuente right. at Barcelona as well. No, Virginio Dest looks like he's headed to Bayern Munich. There was a, basically a war over Barcelona and Bayern Munich no. as to who was going to sign him. Yeah, no, we haven't. It's as simple as that. We haven't. We've had really good players playing in the Bundesliga before, but like we've never had this spread across Europe. All of a certain age as well is interesting, like all between a, an age gap like that. We just haven't seen it. There's no point saying we have. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll, allow me though, because it's just so nice to see it. Allow me to pour a little bit of cold water on it though. When are we going to see them together for the U.S. men's national team? This is from Brian Strauss. He tweeted this an hour ago. After extensive conversation, this is he's quoting Brian McBride, uh, the U.S. men's national team GM. After extensive conversations about holding a men's national team camp in October, we ultimately determined the unique challenges created by COVID-19 as it relates to hosting international opponents and getting our players together wouldn't allow us to move forward. While we won't have, he goes on to say, while we won't have the team together in this upcoming window, we are making considerable progress for November. <sighs> Hopefully we well, have a Why'd t- you have to, why did Sorry. you have to go and do that? I just, I'm just saying we're going to be at the momentum behind these players when they ever get to, to get onto the field again for the U.S. men's national team. It's going to be at fever pitch. Well, but, but you are, and I'm jo- I'm like kind of joking when I say that because you are bringing up a thing that is important and it's like it's all fine and good i mean it's great for these guys to be doing what they're doing at their individual clubs but you know we we don't know yet how they'll gel together what sort of system greg bearhalter is going to have them playing in, and who's going to be having to move out of what their natural position is with their club and will they fit like we do we even know necessarily where tyler adams is definitely going to be playing for the u.s men like Um, no we don't so we do at some point you're you are right. We do need to see them playing together again so Bearhalter can start to get a general idea of where these guys are going to play and how they're going to, you know, mold and gel with one another. It's I guess it's a good problem to have. Like this is a lot of young talent at his disposal. Um but yeah, it it does yeah, that's ah. Nah, I know, but nah. it's the current circumstances and we we really got we we got to get on top of this thing. Come on. Yeah, I agree. Seriously. Um, let's see. A couple, uh, just a couple quick MLS notes. Um, interesting match tomorrow night. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Wednesday, Portland and Seattle. Um, Portland, who won the MLS's back 
tournament, then came back to the regular season and struggled mightily, but now seem to be finding their footing again after their uh, thrashing of San Jose. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Oh, okay. Um, Mateus Almeida, you know, he comes out after the game. It's a it's a six one defeat to Portland. Okay, but it's what what is it? Two weeks, Andrew, since they got battered seven one by Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they were quarterfinalists in the uh, MLS's back tournament. Mateus Almeida, he talked about the gap between his young players and other teams. He keeps referring to this as a project, but project or not, he's under he's under such pressure. Tom Marshall was writing for ESPN FC, and he said Almeida didn't turn up for the post-game press conference for San Jose. Instead, GM uh, Jesse Fiorinelli gave a video conference and apologized to the fans for the performance. That struck me. So they've got Colorado tomorrow. That's got to be a good result. San Jose, and then they've got LAFC at the weekend, and that can't be another battering. This is this is just not good right now. Those are not easy assignments. I mean, we know about LAFC, and, and like quietly, we probably should be talking more about Colorado than we have. Another mm. impressive win for them, two 0 over the Galaxy um, this past weekend. So right now, I mean, the league is tough, and San Jose right now are bearing the brunt of it. Um, but time and time again, they can't get trashed again. They can't. No. I mean, the performance against Seattle just went viral across U.S. soccer because it was so bad. Well, it was another Jordan Morris masterclass, so I had it on a on a loop in my house. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, whatever it is, Almeida does man for man marking, zonal marking, whatever he he's got to. I don't know. Build a wall in front of that goal. Do something. They've got to get better. Yeah, and then a team that's in the Western Conference, a team struggling still in the East, Atlanta. Um, it's not getting much better. Now, they do get some news today. I'm just seeing this right now. This is breaking news here. Um, that uh, Atlanta United will be signing midfielder Marcelino Moreno from Lanus as, uh, their, as a designated player. So, um, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's all hands on deck right now. Uh, just reading from MLSsoccer.com, Atlanta United have moved quickly to fill their open designated player spot, announcing Tuesday the signing of Marcelino Moreno from Lanus in Argentina's Superliga uh, for an undisclosed transfer fee. Uh, Moreno, 25, will be the sixth designated player in the club's history and joins Ezekiel Barco and the injured Joseph Martinez as current DPs on the roster. He will ostensibly fill the shoes of Pitti Martinez, who joined Saudi club Al Nasser FC for a reported eight-figure transfer fee earlier this month. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping to see a defender come along with that, but there. Well, were. No. well, they look. They, I mean, the, the problems are everywhere for them right now. I mean, yes, I guess defense would be the first thing that you want to shore up, but with, they're not going to spend a DP spot on a defender, though. And we ne- we never talked about the Pity Martinez uh, departure. I mean, in the end, that like that was boy, dreadful. the hype, the hype around that uh, acquisition for them was massive, and it just, I don't know, it just did not click. It fell flat almost a couple bright spots here and there, but almost from the beginning, it just well, never at least, meshed. At least he's getting to go to, you know, now an established, an established league. Boy, you just sit up there on your high horse and your pedestal and you come just, on. We got to move on. Oh, make fun of this guy. Make fun of that team. Bang. Boom. Uh, let's see a couple. Uh, should we go straight to the mailbag or do you, I know you had something on Luis Suarez you wanted to mention? Yeah, I got, I got two things. Uh, first of all, Luis Suarez, um, he, 
we think he's heading to Atletico Madrid, but the, the breaking story this morning was uh, from Sky. Italian Financial Police and the Perugia Public Prosecutor's Office have opened an investigation into allegations of irregularities regarding Luis Suarez's Italian citizenship exam last week. Suarez flew to Perugia to take the test amid reports he was set to join, join Juventus from Barcelona. In order to complete the move, the 33-year-old Uruguayan would need would have needed to have acquired Italian citizenship as Juventus have no available space in their squad for non-EU players. However, it is alleged that Suarez was aware of the contents of the exam before taking it and that his score was pre-signed. A statement from the Perugia Public Prosecutor's Office said, some irregularities have emerged in the exam of certification of Italian sat on September 17th by Uruguayan football player Luis Alberto Suarez Diaz needed to obtain the Italian citizenship. From the investigation, it emerged that the topics in the exam had been agreed in advance with the applicant and that the relative mark had been attributed even before carrying out the exam, regardless of the fact that an elementary proficiency of the Italian language had been verified during remote classes carried out by lecturers of the university for foreigners. So, I mean... He's like uh, George Costanza cheating on his IQ test. It's, um, it's nice um, to know you you can never be too old to still cheat on tests. Incredible. This is unbelievable. Yeah. And now Suarez is furious with Barcelona um, for, uh, I'm reading here from ESPN FC, after Barcelona has apparently backtracked on an agreement to let him leave for a free when it emerged he was close to signing for Atletico Madrid, sources have told ESPN. Boy, the relationship between Barcelona and Atletico Madrid really seems to be in a great place, doesn't it? From like everything with Griezmann, now that's carried right through this. They hate each other. It's blossoming. It is deeply personal between those two clubs. So I guess we'll have to wait and see where Suarez will end up. Finally, before we get to the mailbag, just a quick one. Uh, FIFA voted over the past couple of days to change the rules, Andrew, pertaining to players' international eligibility. This is from the 42.ie. Players can now represent a second national team, provided they are eligible to represent that country and have played no more than three matches for the first national team at senior level with all the appearances coming before the player turns 21 appearances in world cup finals matches or continental finals such as the euros would also prohibit a player from switching but appearing in a tournament qualifier or the uefa nations league would not that is big does this uh so we're not doing this. So, so is Jack Ooh, Grealish no. once again? No, Jack uh, Grealish can't. He's uh, filed his change of, of movement forms. He cannot. That's okay, it. But I, I would like to continue debating whether or not he's going to consider going back to Ireland. I think it's an important element of the show. We've got a player that could consider making a switch that he's already made, but it's not good to speculate because we have nobody is suggesting these players are going to do that. That's very unfair. However, I do not no, like this rule, by the way. You don't. No, I, I don't think that I do. Okay. I mean, down the line, it, it could be very interesting. You could have a player burst onto the scene with dual eligibility, get three caps, and then fall out of favor, and then in his mid-20s decide he wants to go somewhere else. So, mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Mailbag? Mailbeasy. Caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. At Pod on Twitter. And caught offside ESPN on Instagram. Please go follow, as you have been doing, all those social media accounts and send us an email from time to time. We'd like to check in with you. So Chris Allen from last week, thanks so much for the homework assignment. Assignment. This was uh, regarding 
how do you qualify a world class player or not? And Andrew said, send us a bunch of world class players and we'll tell you. No, no, you no. I didn't say it. I said, send us a bunch of names and we'll names. decide. Names and we'll decide. Correct. I'm sorry. Um, thanks for the homework assignment that has distracted me from the work that I am paid to do. Um, some names for you to debate. I've provided a few extra in case you hit some of my choices. Okay, here we go, Andrew. So we're just going to go simple yes or no with these names, right? Right. Okay. Okay, here we go. Ederson. Yes. No. Theobald Theo Courtois. You are ridiculous. All right. Courtois? Courtois, no. Yes. World class. Americ yes. Laporte? Yes. I said no. I said Raphael no. Raphael Varane? Yes. yes. Sun Hyun Min? Yes. yes. Paulo Dybala? No. Yes. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Yes. yes. Romelu Lukaku? Yes. Yes. Karim Benzema? No. Yes. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> you, are you trolling? Uh, no. Well, kind of. This is such a nonsense thing to do. They are clearly all world class. By the Just think of their careers. I have questions about Laporte. I'm not sure if I'm willing to commit. <laughs> um, Mahesh has a question. For Andrew, is Bale coming back to Spurs the same as LeBron coming back to Cleveland? Oh, my God. What a question. What an unbelievable... All right. So no I is the answer. It's di Right. The answer is no. I think it's different. Um, LeBron is from Cleveland or the surrounding area, uh, Akron. So there's an emotional attachment for Cavs fans that was much greater with him. Uh, LeBron also left under horrifying circumstances. Cleveland never got its trophy. And then he gut-punched them on the way out with the decision. Um I mean, Bale got Spurs in the Champions League, and it hurt seeing him leave, but I think most rational fans could understand and wrap their mind around a guy leaving for Real Madrid. And Tottenham also got a world record transfer fee for him leaving. The Cavs got nada for LeBron going to Miami. Um, so, like, when LeBron came back to Cleveland, um, it made the Cavs relevant again, which was obviously great for their fans, but also allowed the fans to re-love their native son, this guy who's from there. I don't know any Spurs. I don't know any Spurs fans that hated Bale after he left or who felt that he owed anything where he had to come back to Tottenham to write something wrong. So while it's a great story and it's, it's very fun for a Tottenham fan, it's not, it does not rise to the level. Also, he's not LeBron like Bale is, is great, but he's not to soccer what LeBron is to basketball. No, the, the, the entire hopes of, of the state of Ohio were on LeBron's <laughs> shoulders at yeah. one point. Yeah. Um, the Yank 48, can you all mention something, anything about uh, St. Louis City Soccer Club? Um, he sent us a link from the St. Louis Today newspaper. On Wednesday, the first day the fans could put deposits down on season tickets for St. Louis City FC, SC, they jumped in. The MLS expansion team that begins play in 2023 said Thursday that 30,000 seats were reserved mm. in the first 15 minutes and the count hit 50,000 in the first 24 hours. The team said that broke the previous high for season ticket deposits for an MLS team, but capacity for the stadium is going to be projected to be at 22,500. And the team has said that single game tickets will be sold and ticket sales will be, season ticket sales will be capped at below the capacity. So there we are. They're going to do great in that city. I think so. I think so too. Uh, that city is, is a soccer hotbed. Yeah. And they already had one club that's folded now because just to make way for them in the, in the USL. But let's not get JJ started on that. There's been enough bitterness today. Um, uh, Jaime Bedola has fallen out of love with his club, Arsenal. This is a big one. The club just does not feel the same. They're kind of boring to watch. The fan base is really toxic and the players are not very good. 
last year I kind of just found my uh, last year I kind of just myself watch the games i don't know what that means honey this year i feel more excited to see what chelsea will do and spurs too <laughs> since i've been loving every single moment of the documentary have i fallen out of love with my club has this ever happened to you i have uh, some comments yeah go ahead so i would say i have never i have never fallen out of love with a team that i support um however i think it's normal to have moments where you wane in yeah. terms of interest um but the question I have is, like, if your interest is now swayed from Arsenal to Chelsea and Spurs, then I, I have to wonder how much you ever really loved Arsenal in the first place. No. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I can tell you there have been stretches where my interest in the Flyers has kind of been like, eh, they're so average right now. Like, do I have the time? You know what? Let, let me go see what the Penguins are up to. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is... Uh, yeah, you're not a supporter. They're a team that you watched, basically, <laughs> yeah. and you looked yeah. out for their scores. Also, I, I can't help but wonder, though, like you said, they're boring. They're, they're they not don't boring. have any good players. Like, I, I wonder if he's bailing at the wrong time. Don't you feel like, I mean, it's baby steps, but like, don't you feel like Arsenal are kind of on, on an uptick? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, we might be here two years from now, and he's going to be like, you know, since Bale left Tottenham, they haven't been the same. I, I kind of find myself gravitating more towards Arsenal and, and Bukaya Saka. Like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I think you should just enjoy the sport for a while. Yeah, I think so too. All right, let's see what we got here. Um, Erica, uh, of course I have to write about the full tracksuit W. Andrew said he was towing the line, but I think it was more of a, a wide straddle across the line. Not only was he one step away from fkw which is full kit w but all he needed was a bucket hat or gold chains to be a chav which is of course a kind of a certain type of english person who likes leisure wear a lot and sneakers i judge anyone over the age of 15 who's wearing full kit tracksuit included you're not on the team bruv i was laughing hard at that uh she loves listening to the pod and uh finished thirteen twelve by james montague and is a dunkirk fan as everyone should be. Yeah, well, if you listen to this podcast, it's almost expected. Summer night. Um, penul- penultimate email from Christo Rex. Uh, who's got it worse, Ronald Koeman or Nash, Steve Nash? Oh. I bet I bet neither finishes season one. Amazing question. Amazing yeah. question. How good is that? Uh, I will say Koeman has it worse because he's going into what feels like a toxic, uh, toxic situation, like a team on the decline, and more importantly, a star player. And by the way, calling Messi a star player is hardly doing it justice. The guy's like bigger than the sport. But a star player in Messi who may not already, before they've even played a game, have warm and fuzzy feelings towards the men. Meanwhile, Steve Nash has been appointed coach basically because he was handpicked by Kevin Durant, the net star player. Right. So I think I think Nash is walking into a more comfortable, friendly environment than what Kuman will be bombarding his way into um i've got a plan for if it starts going wrong at the barclay center because i'm just around the corner so hopefully when fans get back in when things go wrong for steve nash i've got a banner that says stick to soccer steve <laughs> you've already made it haven't you I yeah bet i have been working hard on that yeah yeah and uh let's just see oh this is another great email to round off this uh this week's episode uh from blair 
Hey guys, love the show. Recently, one of my best friends who I grew up and played soccer with started doing his ancestry research on a particularly well-known website. After doing that, he found out he had an Irish great-great-grandfather who moved to Leeds, got married and settled there, as we Irish tend to do. My friend now assumes he has distant relatives all over Leeds and has even seen a picture of his distant grandfather's gravestone in the city. It has flipped my friend upside down and he now feels no choice but to support Leeds United. Here's the twist. He and I grew up as diehard Man United fans. Oh, oh my, God. my God. Part of me understands he has to do this, but part of me is annoyed. Man United always brought us together in good times and in bad, but I really don't know how to feel about this. I told him there are plenty of fans in England who support teams from cities they aren't from. I understand his point, but I'm not suddenly going to support Cambridge United because I'm distantly related to John Howland, the Mayflower leader who came from Cambridge. By the way, amazing in its own right. Yeah. Crazy. He responded with, he believes he owes it, he owes it to his distant grandfather to support Leeds, even though there's no evidence he was even a football fan. <laughs> and that his grandfather must be rolling in his grave to see him as a Man United supporter. I'd love to know your thoughts. Oh, Blair. Unbelievable. Where to even begin unpacking the complexities? I mean... I have some this this clearly has moved him internally. This whole connection to his his great great grandfather, who by the way, moved to Leeds, right? Moved to Leeds and then had this family that married and and, and stayed in, in the city, obviously. I understand how romantic and especially Americans, because we're in this country, we're all from somewhere else originally. Um and, and I, I, I guess I understand that that feeling. I understand that notion of connection and and heritage and 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 things like that. But um, what about his relationship with Blair? You know, we're all different people, JJ. So I'm not going to judge others. I can only say what I would do myself um, if I found out that I had a great great grandfather who settled in this country in Dallas, Texas. Would I become a cowboy fan? No chance. JJ, I'd be more likely to fly to his gravestone and scream the lyrics of Fly Eagles Fly. Oh my God, what a freak. All right. You're disturbed, young man. We're all different. We're all different in our own way. Um, personally, I believe he should remain a Manchester United supporter. That is how I feel. Uh, he says his grandfather would be rolling in his grave if he knew he supported Manchester United. Maybe his grandfather would be rolling in his grave if he knew his, gran- his great-great-grandson could just switch loyalties seemingly overnight. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Betraying his friends. Maybe his grandfather didn't like the betrayal of a friend or the club that you grew up supporting. Like that's where your heart is, is, is in that club. You've spent hours and hours of your life and emotion. And you, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel good about this, about a switch happening here. But again, like I said, we're all different. He may feel a connection to this person that is hard for him to put into words. So if that's the case, then go, then go for it. But I would just say that I couldn't do it. It'd be kind of funny if he made the switch. By the way, Leeds and Manchester United hate each other. So it'd be kind of funny if he made the switch and then like some years later after hardcore Leeds support, he discovers his his great-grandfather was like a Bradford City fan or something. (laughs) And that was the mailbag. And that was this show. Oh, man. Great stuff. Um, There is midweek action, so everybody keep your eyes on that. MLS. 
Um, there is other Carabao Cup. Like we said, we'll keep our eyes on what happens with Leighton Orient and that situation. That's a little bit frightening. Um, and then there's much more great soccer action this weekend. Lots of stuff to continue talking about next week. I can't wait for it, JJ. I can't wait for the Liverpool-Arsenal game. And um, the football is officially going on forever. Yeah, it sure is. Great stuff, man. Hey, this was fun. To you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. See ya. Take care, man. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 